Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sanders Facts. Hey, hey, y'all, what's going on? Welcome in to the latest edition of the Xander's Facts podcast. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander. It is Wednesday, January 19th. We have got a big episode this week because it is a big milestone for the Xander's Facts podcast. It is episode 50. We have done 50 episodes of Xander's Facts. How about that? Congratulations. That is crazy. And plus... We've got our one-year anniversary coming up in two weeks is when we got that. So get ready, because that's going to be even bigger. We're going to have some new Xander's Facts things to talk about on our one-year anniversary. But that's coming up in two weeks. It is episode 50 this week. And as always, thank you all for listening to the Xander's Facts podcast, whether you're listening for the first time or you've been listening since episode one. Remember to click that follow button on this podcast, download this episode, rate and review the podcast, and then go on all your socials to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, go follow Xander's Facts, that is Xander with a Z, and most importantly, remember to tell all your friends, spread the facts, tell all your friends about the Xander's Facts podcast, it is episode 50. So now you gotta go tell all your friends, it's the 50th episode of the Xander's Facts podcast, and it is a huge podcast this week we have got a ton to talk about including postseason football because that happened this week and xander did pretty well on his picks which you would know if you listen to last week's episode of the podcast which if you haven't you need to go do want to talk about that we got the emergency facts crew back for a little quick emergency facts that's my line that is coming up but before we get to all that our main topic this week involves politics because it is time for something very special to happen it only happens once every 10 years tell me tell me no one knows what i'm talking about i'm talking about redistricting oh because in the united states we only get to redistrict every 10 years the federal government every 10 years conducts a census to count how many people live in the united states This includes how many people live in each locality, like a city or a state or a county or whatever, and also includes demographic information such as age groups, race, and economic data like wages, incomes, all that stuff. So, why are we talking about the census? Well, the census was conducted by the Census Bureau in the year 2020, which is now two years ago, for the 24th time in the history of the United States. And for the first time in 2020, People could conduct the census online or on the phone instead of filling out paper thingy. Good to know. However, the 2020 count was also marred with controversy while it was taking place, and it is still controversial today. Let's talk about it, because while the count was going on during the pandemic in 2020, the Trump administration was fighting in court to make sure that unauthorized immigrants were not counted towards each state's congressional seat and electoral vote numbers. Now, this was despite the fact that Article 1, Section 2 of the United States Constitution 
mandates that a census be taken every 10 years, and Article 2 of the 14th Amendment, which amended Article 1, Section 2, stated that, quote, representatives shall be appointed among the several states according to their respective numbers, counting the whole number of persons in each state, unquote. It's the truth. So basically, what Donnie Boy wanted to do was make sure that unauthorized immigrants were not counted in the census, when 23 other times in this country, unauthorized immigrants have been counted in the census. So that was an issue, and the administration was ultimately denied this request. So while all that was going on, the Census Bureau was still dealing with conducting the count during the beginnings of the pandemic, when everyone was locked down, which forced the Bureau to actually miss the legal reporting deadline for the first set of results. So that's why redistricting usually happens last year. It's kind of being pushed back to 2022, which is not normal. And additionally, the Trump administration requested that the counting end on October 15th of 2020 instead of the intended October 31st date, and the Supreme Court said that you can do that. They said that on October 14th, so the count had ended earlier than it was supposed to. Uh-oh. So the Census Bureau was dealing with all those issues, and now we all knew all of this stuff. This is not new information. But there are new documents that were released this weekend, this past weekend, that showcased just how much the Trump administration was meddling in the 2020 census. There was a memorandum that circulated among top Census Bureau officials in September of 2020 that was finally disclosed on Saturday. It cited unprecedented meddling by the Trump administration in the 2020 census, and the memo listed several instances that senior census officials had experienced political interference while conducting the census, with these issues planning to be raised by the Secretary of the Commerce Department, who was at the time Wilbur Ross, the Secretary of the Commerce Department, oversees the Census Bureau. What the heck does this mean? The memo's issues included computer formulas that make educated guesses on who and how many people live in households that did not complete census forms, a controversial new method that was known as differential privacy that the Bureau used to shield the identities of those being counted, and how political appointees had taken an extensive interest in how the Bureau would produce final population numbers and how they would find the number of voting age citizens. So that memo raised concern with the fact that former President Donnie Boy wanted to give the voting age population to states to draw political maps instead of the total population numbers, which has always been done in the past. Whoops. And finally, the memo voiced concerns that an effort to count the number of unauthorized immigrants would increase the political pressure put on the committee and that the administration would exclude those numbers from the total population count, which once again has never been done before. So the Trump administration wanted to end the census count early so that his administration could obtain the census numbers while he was still president. This was before the election, so apparently he knew he was going to lose, so that his administration could obtain the census numbers, deplete unauthorized immigrants from those numbers, and then send them to the states so they could draw new political maps. Of course, unauthorized immigrants have always been counted in the census, and this level of political interference in the census has not been seen in our modern age. Are you sure? Why are we talking about this? Because... The census directly affects the number of congressional seats that each state gets, and it helps determine how congressional districts will be drawn. So that brings us to our main topic, which is redistricting. Because every 10 years after the census comes out, all 50 states use the data from the census to draw new political districts for House of Representatives seats 
along with state legislature seats. So the way these districts are drawn can potentially determine which party gains an advantage to take the majority in the House of Representatives in D.C. or in a bunch of state legislatures. Nice fact! This happened back in 2010, when Republicans made large gains in the midterms of 2010 that year and were able to draw districts that benefited them in a bunch of states for the next 10 years. So now the way that redistricting process works differs depending on the state. Some states, the state legislatures themselves draw the districts, which usually benefits the party in power, with these usually needing approval from the governor. But in other states, there are independent commissions that have been created with the goal of drawing fair districts. Although, this does not always happen, because those commissions sometimes are set up to fail. Not funny. So we're going to take a look at redistricting, because a bunch of states have already approved new maps for the next eight or so years. It's not even 10 now because we're already to 2022. And not all states have finished drawing their districts, but most states have. So on this podcast today, we're going to take a look at what new district lines could mean for upcoming House elections in the 2022 midterms. We're taking a look at all 50 states. There are 50 states in the United States, if you didn't know. And we're going to take a look at how each state, all 50 states, are drawing their new districts. Oh, yay. But before we get started, there are a couple of states that have a different number of House districts and electoral college votes compared to the last 10 years, the last redistricting cycle. Six states gain seats. Those states are Colorado, Florida, Montana, North Carolina, Oregon, and Texas. Texas gained two seats, the others gained one. And meanwhile, seven states each lost one seat. Those are California, Illinois, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. It's all true! And those are important because, as you know, the way we elect a president in the United States is that if you win a state, you get electoral college votes. The way that they come up with electoral college votes is by adding up the number of each state's representatives in Congress. So each state has two senators that represent them in Congress, so they automatically have two, and then you add on the number of House of Representatives that each state gets. So Wyoming, for instance, only has one House of Representative, and they have two senators. So Wyoming has three electoral college votes. Virginia, for instance, has two senators and 11 House of Representatives. So they have 13 electoral college votes. There you go. If you say so. So let's get this started. Time for some state-by-state breakdowns. But first off, there are a couple of states that only have enough population for one congressional district, and those states do not go through redistricting for the House of Representatives because their one representative represents the whole state, like Wyoming. The other states are Vermont, Delaware, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Alaska, including Wyoming. And Vermont and Delaware are blue states, so their representatives are usually Democrats, while the Dakotas, Wyoming, and Alaska are red states, so their representatives are usually Republicans. So, with that out of the way, let's start with some of the smaller states and work our way up, because once we get to the bigger ones, that's where more of the interesting stuff happens. So let's start with the seven states that only have two congressional districts. There is Idaho, where both districts are solidly Republican. Last time, they stay there. This time, West Virginia, which actually lost the seat, and both those districts are solidly Republican. There is Maine, where both districts are held by Democrats, but one of those districts is rated as a lean Republican district, which is the same as the last map, so that's interesting. There's Montana, which added a seat. They only had one Republican seat, 
Now it looks like they're going to have two. Those states have already approved their maps. There are three states that have two congressional districts that have not. That includes Rhode Island, who has two strong Democratic districts and is expected to remain that way with Democrats in control of the redistricting process. The same goes for Hawaii, but there's also New Hampshire. New Hampshire's last two districts were extremely competitive. They were both rated as toss-ups, but both are held by Democrats. So while there are two proposed plans, one by Democrats would include two competitive districts, while one by Republicans in the legislature would include one lean Democratic seat and one lean Republican seat. And that is something to watch for as the Republicans are fully in control of the process in New Hampshire. They have a Republican legislature and they have a Republican governor. By the way, before I start throwing out all these toss-up and lean Democrat, lean Republican terms, even though I already did, just a quick definition here for you. A toss-up seat means that that district's political lean is within five points. So either Democrats have an advantage of five points or less, Republicans have an advantage of five points or less, or no one has an advantage. It's an even political lean, which is very rare, which is probably not the best. But also, seats that lean, if I say it's a lean Democrat seat or a lean Republican seat, that means that if it's a lean Democrat seat, the Democratic advantage is between 5 and 15 points. And if it's a lean Republican seat, the Republican lean on that district is between 5 and 15 points. And solid districts are over 15 points. Fact nugget! So there's some quick definitions. Let's continue rolling here because we've got two states that have three districts. Those include Nebraska. Nebraska is interesting because it is one of two states where presidential candidates are not elected as winner-take-all for those electoral college votes in that state. They only get a couple of that state's votes from winning the majority of that state, but they also get a vote for winning a congressional district. Like Joe Biden in 2020 won one of Nebraska's congressional districts, so he got a electoral college vote from Nebraska. Now, Nebraska has two solid Republican districts and one toss-up district that Joe Biden won, but it leans Republican. It is currently held by a Republican, and it looks like it's going to maintain its toss-up status in the next redistricting cycle. What do you say? And there's also New Mexico, which had two solid Democratic districts and one leaning Republican district previously. And now in the new maps, it has one lean Democratic district and two toss-ups, which lean Democratic. Both of those states have approved their maps. There are six states that have four districts, including Arkansas, which has four solid Republican seats, which is the same as it did previously. Utah, the same, four solid Republicans. Iowa, which now has one solid Republican, one lean Republican, and two toss-ups with one currently held by a Republican, one currently held by a Democrat. And previously, there were three toss-ups in the state and one solid Republican seat in Iowa had a redistricting commission, so it was supposed to be nonpartisan. And then you get into Nevada, which has one lean Republican, one lean Democrat, and two toss-up seats that lean Democrats. So Arkansas, Utah, Iowa, and Nevada have all completed their maps. But Nevada's is currently being challenged in the courts, so we'll see what happens there. Seriously? Mississippi currently has one proposed map that is on the governor's desk as of Monday night, and that proposed map is similar to the current districts, one solid Democratic seat and three solid Republican seats. And Kansas, the other state that has four districts, has not proposed any map so far. So we don't know what's going on with Kansas. No one cares. Now, there are two states that have 
five districts. Oklahoma, which has five solid Republican seats, not a surprise. Previously, there were four solid Republicans and one lean Republican seat. They've approved their map. Connecticut's the other state that has five districts. Connecticut's maps are now up to the state Supreme Court because the legislature and the backup redistricting commission could not approve new maps. However, the maps are expected to be similar to the current ones, which include two solid Democratic districts, one lean Democrat, and two Democratic-leaning toss-up districts. And now there are three states that have six districts. There's Oregon, which gained a seat. It had five. Now it has six. Their new map includes two solid Democratic seats, two lean Democrats, one toss-up that leans D, and one solid Republican seat. Previously, there were two solid Democratic seats, two toss-ups that lean D, and one solid Republican. So Oregon has now approved their congressional maps. Kentucky has one solid Democratic seat in Louisville, one lean Republican seat, and four solid Republican seats, and they have a map on the governor's desk, and it looks like it's going to be similar to what their current map is, while Louisiana has not proposed any maps. I didn't ask that. Just like Kansas. What's wrong with you, Louisiana? There are two states that have seven districts as well. Alabama, which has one solid Democratic seat and six solid Republicans, same as it was previously. They have approved their map. South Carolina has not. Their old seats were one solid Democrat, one lean Republican, and five solid Republican seats. But Republicans in the legislature are trying to solidify that one lean Republican seat to a solid Republican seat. Ew. So those two states have seven districts. Five states have eight districts, including Colorado, which added a seat. Their new map has three solid Democratic seats, one lean Democrat, one lean Republican, two solid Republican seats. And the new district, Colorado 8, is a toss-up. And Maryland has five solid Democratic seats, two lean Democrats, and one lean Republican seat. Previously, there were seven solid Democratic seats, and that Republican seat was a solid Republican seat. So those two maps have been approved. The three states that have eight districts that have yet to approve their maps are Minnesota, which previously had two solid Democratic seats, one lean Democrat, a toss-up held by a Republican, a lean Republican seat, and three solid Republican seats. And in Minnesota, since the legislature is split between both parties and the governor is a Democrat, it's likely that the courts are going to draw the maps in Minnesota. Missouri has not approved any maps yet. They had a solid Democratic district, a lean Democratic district, a lean Republican district, and five solid Republican districts previously. And the new maps that they're proposing are likely to be similar. And then there's Wisconsin, which previously had two solid Democratic seats, a lean Republican seat, which was held by a Democrat, a lean Republican seat held by a Republican, and four solid Republican seats. And the state Supreme Court is going to draw those maps after the maps from the Republican legislature were vetoed by the Democratic governor, with the court saying when it was up to them, which it is now, that they are probably going to try and make as few changes as possible to the current maps. Why would you do this to me? So those five states have eight districts. There are four states that have nine districts, including Arizona, which was a toss-up state in the presidential election. They had an independent commission that approved two solid Democratic seats, one toss-up, which is held by a Democrat, one lean Republican, which is currently held by a Democrat, one lean Republican held by a Republican, and four solid Republican seats, adding one more lean Republican from the previous map and changing a lean Democrat seat to a toss-up in the new map. Indiana has one solid Democratic seat, one lean Democratic seat, and seven solid Republican seats, and Massachusetts has nine solid Democratic seats, 
All those states have approved their maps. Tennessee is the only state with nine districts that is not. Their old maps include two solid Democratic seats and seven solid Republican seats. But Tennessee is interesting because Republicans control the redistricting process and the maps that they have proposed look like they're going to try to move one of those solid Democratic seats to a solid Republican seats. To do that, they would have to split up Nashville, which the state's Democratic Party says if they do that, then they're going to sue them because depending on what happens, they could be violating the Voting Rights Act. So we'll see. Tennessee is one to watch. Watch it, buddy. But now we get into the states with double-digit districts, which include usually more gerrymandering and are the states that are usually watched the most. Let's begin with Washington State, which has 10 districts. Those are three solid Democrats, three lean Democrats, one toss-up, which is held by a Democrat, one lean Republican, and two solid Republican seats. No maps have been approved in Washington State. Those were the previous maps. But the current proposal from a bipartisan commission looks like it's going to stay the same with the exception of one of the lean Democrat seats moving over to a solid Democrat distinction. Virginia has 11 districts. Their new maps include four solid Democratic districts, one lean Democratic district, one toss-up that leans Democrat, one lean Republican district, which is currently held by a Democrat, two lean Republican districts, and two solid Republican districts. And these are the same distinctions that Virginia had last cycle. This cycle, there was a newly created bipartisan commission, which was approved by the state's voters, That ultimately failed because the Republicans and the Democrats on the commission could not agree to the maps, so it went to the Supreme Court, which then approved these new maps for Virginia. Too many facts. New Jersey has 12 districts. They have a bipartisan commission, which approves six solid Democratic districts, three lean Democratic districts, one toss-up, which is currently held by a Democrat, one lean Republican seat, and one solid Republican seat. This map was just approved last week, but it is already being challenged by Republicans, so the New Jersey map might not be final yet. Michigan has 13 districts. They have an independent commission, but Michigan had 14 districts last cycle. They lost one. That independent commission for Michigan approved three solid Democratic districts, one lean Democrat, two toss-ups, which are currently held by Democrats, one toss-up that's held by a Republican, two lean Republican seats, and four solid Republican seats, which is close to the same as what it was last cycle. There are two states that have 14 districts, and both of them are very important for the presidential race coming up in 2024. North Carolina, which added a seat, it now has 14. Republicans approved the new maps in North Carolina. They approved three solid Democratic districts, one toss-up that's held by Democrats, two lean Republican districts, and eight solid Republican districts. However, Democrats have challenged the map in the courts, and it is now up to the state Supreme Court, which has a Democratic majority, and a couple of years ago actually threw out a similar Republican gerrymander. So it's probable that this map is going to get drawn out, and we're going to get a new map in North Carolina. True that! Georgia is the other state that has 14 districts, and Georgia Republicans approved four solid Democratic districts, a toss-up held by a Democrat, and nine solid Republican districts. That moves one lean Democratic seat to a solid Democrat and one toss-up seat to a solid Republican seat in Georgia. Both those states are going to be major battlegrounds in 2024, just like they were in 2020. And those states went their separate ways because North Carolina voted for Donnie Boy and Georgia voted for Joey Boy. But North Carolina especially is going to be one to watch 
for redistricting for the next little while. Oh boy! Ohio has 15 districts. They lost one from the last cycle. And there's been some news in Ohio recently because the state Supreme Court just tossed out the maps that were approved by Republicans in Ohio last week because the court said that the maps did not comply with the partisan fairness requirement, which is stated in the state's constitution. Basically, since Donnie Boy won about 55% of the vote in Ohio last time, Republicans should control around 55% of the state's representatives. But in the maps that were approved by the Ohio Republicans, that number was closer to like 75%. So Ohio is going to have some new districts drawn. The legislature gets another chance. They have to draw new districts within 30 days. If they cannot do that, there is a bipartisan redistricting commission that will draw the maps instead. The last maps had three solid Democratic districts, a toss-up held by a Democrat, four lean Republican districts, and eight solid Republican districts in Ohio. It's true! There are two states that have 17 districts. Illinois, which was at 18, but they lost the seats to another at 17. They approved basically a Democratic gerrymander. It's got eight solid Democratic seats, five lean Democratic seats, a toss-up held by a Democrat, and three solid Republican seats. Pennsylvania, which also lost the seat at 17, has not approved any maps, and the Republican legislature needs the approval of the Democratic governor to pass any maps, but apparently the Democrats and Republicans are working together in the legislature, so that's always good, bipartisanship. But the old maps in Pennsylvania featured five solid Democratic seats, a lean Democratic seat, a toss-up held by a Democrat, a toss-up held by a Republican, two lean Republican seats, and seven solid Republican seats in Pennsylvania. Cool facts, bro. Jumping up from 17 to 26 because the state of New York, which also lost the seat, has 26 districts for the cycle. They have a bipartisan commission that needs to approve a map by January 25th. They already approved maps last year, but the legislature said no to those, so the commission gets another chance. But if these maps do not pass the legislature, then the Democratic-led supermajority in the legislature is going to draw the maps that need to be signed by the Democratic governor. And basically, what they're probably going to try to do is get as many Democratic seats as they can in New York. That's why they rejected the commission's maps. Duh. But the previous maps in New York had 15 solid Democratic seats, two lean Democratic seats, two toss-ups that were held by Democrats, a toss-up held by a Republican, four lean Republican seats, and three solid Republican seats. Florida gained a seat. They are now at 28 districts, but they have not passed any maps yet, but they have proposed some. Republicans control the process. They have the governorship and the legislature in Florida. The old maps had five solid Democratic seats, three leaning Democratic seats, three toss-ups that were held by Democrats, two toss-ups that were held by Republicans, three leaning Republican seats, and 11 solid Republican seats. And the maps that are proposed in the legislature right now most likely are going to remain similar to the old maps, barring some crazy thing, because, you know, the Santa Claus. Disgusting! But now we're down to the final two states. Bear with me, we're almost done with this thing. Texas has 38 districts. They gained two seats in the new cycle. And Republicans who controlled the process passed new district maps that have 12 strong Democratic seats, one leaning Democratic seat, a toss-up, one leaning Republican seat, and 23 strong Republican seats. And this is significantly less leaning and toss-up seats than the previous maps, which had 14 toss-ups, 
or leaning districts. So the United States Department of Justice filed a lawsuit in December that alleges that the maps violated the Voting Rights Act. So those maps might not go into place. They might, though, but they are currently in court. And finally, the final state, the largest state of the union is California. California has 52 districts, even though they lost one. They were at 53. Now they're at 52. They have an independent commission that approved 34 solid Democratic seats, nine lean Democratic seats, two toss-ups, three leaning Republican seats, and four solid Republican seats. So there you go. That's all 50 states and where they're at with redistricting. Thanks, goodness, that's over. And you might be thinking right now, Xander, why do I care? Well, I'm going to explain why. Because I just threw out a bunch of numbers to you, a bunch of small numbers. But all those numbers add up. So basically, out of the states that have approved their maps, not of the states that have proposals or haven't proposed anything, but the states that have proposed their maps so far, that includes the states that are in court, Nevada, North Carolina, and Texas. So far, there are 128 Democratic-leaning seats, there are 119 Republican-leaning seats, and there are 21 toss-up seats. And when we compare these new maps to the previous maps in the last cycle in these states, there are seven more Democratic-leaning seats, there's only one more Republican-leaning seat, and there are six less toss-up seats. That's a lot of numbers. So as of now, Democrats appear to be gaining more ground so far. We're not over. But of course, after the 2010 redistricting cycle, that was when Republicans put in a bunch of gerrymandered maps across the country in the states that they controlled the redistricting process. So Democrats are working from behind. That's the overall House map for the last 10 years leaned towards Republicans. Well, how is that happening? How are Democrats gaining ground? Well, that's because Democrats are starting to introduce gerrymandered maps of their own. And in states where they completely control the redistricting process, such as Illinois and possibly New York, they are introducing gerrymandered maps. Now, gerrymandering is not exactly a good thing because the Brennan Center for Justice describes gerrymandering as deeply undemocratic. It is also defined as the practice of drawing the boundaries of electoral districts in a way that gives one political party an unfair advantage over its rivals or that dilutes the voting power of members of ethnic or linguistic minority groups. That was a fact. It's also not exactly new, because this all started back in 1812 in Massachusetts, where Massachusetts governor, whose name was Elbridge Gerry, passed gerrymandered state Senate districts in Massachusetts. So that's where you get gerrymandering from, from Elbridge Gerry. It's a fact. So back in 2010, when Republicans made huge gains in the midterms, they got control of a bunch of state legislatures across the country. And that means they got to draw a lot of new maps across the country. And what they did with that was they introduced a lot of gerrymandered maps so that they could win more seats, not just in 2010 and 2012, but later on, 2014, 2016, 2020. But now Democrats are starting to do it. And Democrats are saying that in order to counteract Republican gerrymanders in states like Texas, Georgia, North Carolina, Tennessee, other states, 
They have to act in the states that they control so they don't fall behind and let Republicans unfairly win control of the House. And before this current redistricting cycle began, it was actually expected that Republicans would add on to their gains of adding more House seats that lean toward Republicans, but this has not been the case simply because in states that Republicans have already gerrymandered, there's little that they can do to extend those gerrymandered maps beyond their current reaches, which has halted a bunch of Republican gains in a bunch of states. But now you're seeing Democrats start to make more Democratic-friendly districts in states where they control the redistricting processes. So Democrats are gaining more seats that lean towards them now in this cycle. Now, I'm not saying that gerrymandering is a good thing. It's actually a bad thing. Awful. But if Democrats did not step up to the plate, Republicans could probably lose by millions of votes nationwide, but they could still win control of the House, which doesn't make any sense to me because of the way that they have drawn districts. And of course, that's also because in the United States, we prioritize land voting, apparently, over population. And we could fix that by expanding the House of Representatives, which was last expanded back in 1911. And ever since then, with the exception of Hawaii, becoming a state, it has stayed at 435 members, when it should probably be expanded, because when you take a look at a bunch of other democracies, like in Europe, where they have usually an equal number of seats in their parliament to what we have in Congress, or more, like in the UK, in the House of Commons in the UK parliament, they have 650 seats, the House of Lords has 775 but the United States Congress, the United States is a lot bigger than the United Kingdom, land-wise and population-wise. We have 435 districts in the House and 100 seats in the Senate. And even when taking a look at a country like Germany, we've talked about Germany's elections on this podcast. The Bundestag has 736 seats. How about that? And Germany, once again, is a lot smaller, land-wise and population-wise, than the United States. So. That kind of doesn't make sense to me how our Congress is so small for how big our country is. But we could talk about expanding Congress in the House another day. But it needs to happen. A sure thing! But when we get back on the topic of gerrymandering, the Supreme Court could ultimately stop gerrymandering in the U.S. And they have pre presented the opportunity to do so back in 2019 when the conservative majority basically ruled that partisan redistricting is a political question, it is not reviewable by federal courts, and it is a legislative issue, which is not what the Supreme Court has ruled in the past. But Democrats are trying to do something about it in the Congress, a legislative issue. They have a bill, which we have talked about on this podcast, the For the People Act, which has passed the House. It would end political gerrymandering. Of course, it passed the House. It's in the Senate. It needs 60 votes to pass the Senate unless the filibuster is altered or removed. And there are some people who don't want to do that. So we got a problem, but I don't want to get into that. Get that out of here. So that's the whole deal with gerrymandering. So overall, it is still determined, TBD basically, which party is going to come out with an edge for the 2022 midterms and for the rest of the decade, because there's several key states that are still awaiting their final maps. And a couple of the states that we should probably still be watching for that could flip seats include Pennsylvania, Florida, New York, Wisconsin, and Ohio. 
All those seats still need to approve their maps because Ohio's was rejected and Texas and North Carolina have their maps going through the courts at the moment right now. So those could potentially change as well. So there you have it. It is Xander's redistricting update for the 2020 cycle. Even though we're in 2022, it is very exciting stuff. I know everyone was very intrigued listening to all those state numbers. America! And we didn't even talk about the state legislature districts, which would have taken days. And we're not going to do that on this podcast. So there you go. Redistricting is very important for the upcoming elections in 2022 for the House, your state legislature elections that are probably coming up soon, and until the next census is done in 2030. So there you go. We are rolling along on the 50th episode of the Zaders Facts podcast. We are not done. Because when we get back from the break, we have got the Emergency Facts Gang who is here. We are breaking down Spider-Man No Way Home. It came out a month ago, but Goose and I finally saw it the other day. So we're going to give our review, and Amy Awesome joins in, of course. It's Emergency Facts! And football picks are coming up, too, right here as the Zaders Facts Podcast continues. Xander's facts. Emergency facts. But not in the car. Not not in the car. It's our third emergency facts. Amy Awesome and Goose are here, but we are not in the car. Boo! But it is our emergency facts. We are in our houses. I've got Goose next to me. Amy Awesome is joining us through the phone. Yay. Yep. I am. Because, partially, we're going to get a big old snowstorm tomorrow. Yeah. It is more than a storm. Snowmageddon. We are here for a quick emergency facts to talk about... Spooderman. No way home. No way home. (laughs) Because even though it came out a month ago, and everybody's already seen it, except for Amy, we're going to talk about it. Spoilers. Spoilers. Major spoilers. So be careful. Yeah. Amy doesn't... Spoil me. Amy apparently doesn't care. Amy... You're weird. Sick burn! Okay, that's a known fact. Like, (laughs) let's stick with other facts. Are we going to begin here, Goose? Because Goose and I saw the movie last night. So we're 24 hours removed. So now we've had time to digest Mm -hmm. and take in all the information that we learned from the two and a half hours. So this is No Way Home, the third movie in the Tom Holland Spider-Man trilogy. Because we had the Tobey Maguire trilogy, and then we had... (laughs) The two movies with Andrew Garfield, the amazing Spider-Mans. Well, the movie starts off right where Far From Home ends, which is the last movie, because Spider-Man gets his identity revealed. And then he says, oh. Because in the last movie, he was fighting the Jake Gyllenhaal character. Yes. And and the Jake Gyllenhaal character died. His his name's Mysterio. And then everybody's angry now at Spider-Man. Spider-Man. But now they know who Spider-Man is. So now Spider-Man and his girlfriend, MJ, have to hide. So they go hide at his Aunt May's house. Aunt May? Who dies later? That door! Whoa, Goose. Not there yet. I know. Holy cow. Oh my goodness. Whoops. Okay, so they can't stay there, though. And they've got their, his, they got his friend Ned there, too. So Ned. they go to Happy's house. And Happy is, he was Iron Man's buddy, but Iron Man's gone now because you know that from the Avengers. He is D.I.E. 
Yeah, he's he's R.I.P. So Happy is Aunt May's boyfriend. So, but they broke up. But apparently now they're gonna stay at Happy's condo. So they go stay at Happy's condo. But here's the thing. Spider-Man and all his friends are trying to get into college, and they're trying to get into MIT. But they can't get into MIT because of Spider-Man, because he's Spider-Man. Because they're spiders? Well, because he's Spider-Man, and everyone's angry at Spider-Man. Oh, and so then, you can't get into MIT. Okay. Yeah, and then they know that MJ is Spider-Man's girlfriend, and Ned is Spider-Man's best friend, so they won't let him in either. Controversy. Uh, so wow. then Spider-Man goes to Doctor Strange... They should call, like, those parents that paid for them their kids mm-hmm. to get it. I know. He didn't call the schools afterwards. Right. I don't know. So he just didn't do that. So he goes to Doctor Strange, and he asks them to create a spell, saying he wants uh, everyone to forget that he's Spider-Man. Okay. 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 That's valid. I, w- I would do that. But, <laughs> but Doctor Strange is like, uh, okay. So he does that. But then he's casting a spell, and Spider-Man's like, oh, well, well, MJ's going to forget me, too, so I got to do that. But so then, but you can't change the spell. So he changes the spell for like Aunt May and Happy and Ned and MJ and all his buds, and the spell like goes crazy, and Doctor Strange has to contain the spell. But what happens when he contains the spell, which we find out, is that characters from other multiverses come in and start attacking because they think he's Spider Man. So after that, because the spell doesn't work, everybody knows he's Spider Man. So then Spider Man goes. <laughs> oh, we didn't pay for this. No, because he's friends with Doctor Strange. Right, okay. Well, he he was. I don't know about now. So then Doctor Strange is like, you didn't call them? So he gets angry at Spider-Man. Peter Parker. And then, so then Peter goes, finds one of the recruiters for MIT, Mm -hmm. and she's stuck in traffic on the highway, and he's like, can you please, you know, (laughs) let us go to college? Or he wants wants Ned and MJ to go. He doesn't care about him. So then, because he's a very nice guy. And then, Dr. Octo... Octavius. Ah, Octavius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the Tobey Maguire movies, appears on the highway. And they start fighting. And he's, like, saying this, you know, machine stuff. Because what Tobey Maguire did, he thinks that Tom Holland did. But Tom Holland didn't do that stuff. So Tom Holland's confused, but they start fighting. So then Tom Holland... Wraps him up and saves the day. He saves the recruiter, too, because the recruiter's about to die. She just gave me bad vibes. So then, Octavius, he gets trapped. Spider-Man saves the day. She saves the, he saves the recruiter. But then, out of the smoke, someone else appears. Green Goblin slash... I can't remember his name. That's from the Tobey Maguire movies, too. So then all that yeah. happens. So then, but then he's about to get Spider-Man. But Doctor Strange saves him because he traps them. So that's when they find out that all these characters are coming from all the multi-universes. So then they come, so then they have to capture all the other ones. So they find... The Lizard. They find the Lizard. Electro. Electro. Sandman. They find Sandman. I don't know who the Lizard is. He's a Lizard. I've heard the other one. Just the Lizard. Electro, Jamie Foxx. Right. And then Sandman. So all those people, they get trapped... And then Doctor Strange figures that they just need to kill them all. That's fun to die. <laughs> no, so fun. they're gonna send. Well, okay, hold on. That's quite a conclusion. <laughs> Doctor Strange says they need to send him back to their own universes, but in their own universes they die because oh. in the Tobey Maguire and the Andrew Garfield universes they get killed by Spider Man. Right. Okay. 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 But Spider Man, uh, Tom Holland doesn't like that because Tom Holland's a nice guy. So then. He traps, so then he fights Doctor Strange, and he traps Doctor Strange. Oh. So then he lets him free, 
and tries to make them good people or gets rid of their problems or whatever so they can go back to their universes and be and still live. But that doesn't work out because he fixes Dr. Octo Octavius, but then Green Goblin and Electro go crazy on him and they escape. And Sandman. And that's at Happy's condo and they're fighting with Green Goblin and Aunt May's there. And then she gets stabbed at this point. She gets stabbed, and I, and I cried, and she died. Aunt May got stabbed? She got by stabbed who? by Green Goblin. Oh. By Green Goblin's glider. Yes, and, but then she was like, well, she was still alive. So you get the dramatic, you know, because Tom Holland's, or Peter Parker's there, and he's like, no, Aunt May, don't go, because she's sad, slowly dying. It's, yeah. it's very emotional for, like, five minutes. So sad. After Spider-Man traps Doctor Strange... He gives Ned Doctor Strange's ring, but the ring can open multiverse portals. Uh, so Spider-Man's depressed, and he goes, I know, because his aunt died. Okay, can I take it from here? Yes. Okay, so Ned gets the ring, and he, like, it can open multiverses. So pretty much he opens two multiverses to Andrew Garfield's world and mm-hmm. Tobey Maguire's. Yeah. So, so then they appear. Yeah, they appear. They come out, oh, and what? then what? they then they like fight in the <laughs> on the counter. Well, hold on. <laughs> they fight on the counter. Yeah, they don't. They 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 they, they do their spider webs, spidey webs at each other. Yeah, and oh. the, and and then uh, Ned's mom or grandma tells them to take them down. Yeah, this is this is very <laughs> integral. Well, Tom, the, the people didn't know that the two other spider Spider Mans were going to come. There were rumors that that was going to happen. But you get to this point in the movie, it's like an hour and a half in, so you're like, this isn't going to happen. But then they appear, like at the exact right time. So they appear, they know Spider-Man's depressed because, you know, they've lost people. Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man lost his, lost Gwen. Gwen Stacy. Yeah, and Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man lost Uncle Ben. So they know he's depressed, and they're all, like, trying to cheer him up. Well, what do they try to do to cheer him up? Now, now you, like, do they do jumping jacks and dances? Like, what do they do? They just talk to him. Yeah, they just talk. It's it's that's not awesome. very exciting. That sucks. It, okay. This is a very dialogue, this is very dialogue-heavy right here. Okay. But then... They try to come up with ways to attract all the... Because all the characters have gone off, the the bad guys. They've gone off, and so now... They pretty much make it to the Statue of Liberty, and then they start, like, a big fight. Yes, they attract everyone to the Statue of Liberty, and they start fighting at the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, but then Dr. Otto Octavius helps them. Yeah, Dr. Otto Octavius helps them. Yeah. And then Ned and MJ come out of the portal, because there's a portal there. So then they stop their powers with the science stuff that they make. We skipped a good part. So pretty much, um, <laughs> what what's we her name? MJ almost falls and dies. And Green Goblin gets cold cocked by Spider-Man. Nice. Oh, he did. Because <laughs> Green Goblin's the one who killed Aunt May. So, you know, right. Spider-Man's cold cocking him left and right. Killed cat. He needs some revenge, yeah. He does. So all that happened. So the three Spider-Men are fighting the bad guys. And then they beat the bad guys. Beat them up. But then, Doctor Strange comes in, but then the universe thing is going crazy. So all the multiverses are coming into their universe. And Doctor Strange is trying to make this spell happen to get rid of them. Yeah. He hasn't had a very good track record up to this point with his spells working. No, he hasn't. So to get all the bad guys disappear... The writers figured that they should make Peter make everyone forget Peter Parker. So now 
um, Doctor Strange has to cast the spell to make everyone forget Spider-Man. Because they're attracting, they're coming to the universe to attract a Spider-Man. Uh-huh. So he's trying to make everyone forget that he's Spider-Man, so that doesn't happen. I see. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so then everyone forgets who he is. He walks into the coffee shop, and oh then he sees MJ, and then he has this whole note written, but then he doesn't do it. He only asks for a dumb coffee. Yeah, and then he walks away. Oh, no! Yeah, because when they, before um, they forget who Spider-Man is, uh, Peter tells Ned and MJ, and there's this very emotional moment, like, um, MJ says, you better come find me. And, and then, so he comes and finds her, but he doesn't have the courage, I guess, to, or whatever, because he's a very selfless guy. So then, yeah, every he's in the universe where nobody remembers him, and that's where we end. But then, with, our Mar- with all Marvel movies, we had to stay... Because there were end credits. And Goosington was very interested in the end credits. So pretty much one of my favorite Marvel characters, it's the new one, the new Venom was in there. And I was like, yay! So then, this is a pretty funny moment, Venom gets Eddie up and then says, we're drunk! And then they just, like, disappear. And then, but a part of Venom stays in that universe. So I think it's going to hook on to Peter Parker, a.k.a. Tom Holland, and then something's going to happen. Seriously? With Venom. Yes. Well, Venom's getting a movie, so I think that's the thing. Oh, okay. Who's Venom? The new Venom is a good guy, apparently. So is it, is it like the new Coke? Is there an old Venom and a new Venom? Yeah, the 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 old Venom is the one that Tobey Maguire fought, and then this new Venom is, mm. he's in another universe. There's no Spider-Man in his universe. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. We'll Only okay, okay. We'll see what happens. Well, in that final end scene, he's at the bar, and the bartender is the same actor who plays Danny from Ted Lasso, Football is Life, oh, Danny. Yes! yes. <laughs> so I was like, oh yes. But it only lasted for like a minute, but it was pretty cool. And that's the movie, Spider-Man No Way Home. Goose, what would you give it out of a 10? Okay, you know what? It's a 5. It's a 5. Out of 10? A 5. You're just kidding. It's a 58! 58, out of, so uh, 58 out of 10. Remember that. We'll see. Did you like what rating did you give it? One. Out of ten, I'd give it an eight. Ooh. Because I, I did think there were very, there were things that could have been done easily. Like, Spider-Man could have talked to the uh, recruiter instead of, you know, casting the spell and causing this whole thing. But, you know. Yeah. Right. That's okay. You had to have a, a movie. Well, yeah, that's true. That would have been very boring. It lasted, <laughs> it was two and a half hours long. Wow. So it, it kind of lasted a while. Yeah, movies used to be that long. Like, they used to be really long. Well, All right, well, there you go. That's our right. No Way Home mini review. Woo! We literally just told you what happened in the movie, and Amy reacted, and it was very fun. Also, one thing, spoilers. Yeah, and we spoiled the movie. <laughs> the whole movie, but I'll probably still watch it when I, you know, when I can. Yeah. Well, <laughs> peace. All right, y'all. Thanks for coming on Emergency Facts. Later. That was the worst thing I ever heard, right? Thank you once again, Amy Awesome and Goose, for coming on the podcast for Emergency Facts. We are not done with episode 50 of the podcast because we have got some NFL picks to do. But before we get to those, last weekend was super wildcard weekend, even if the games weren't all that super. Xander's picks were pretty super. We'll get to that in a moment. But first, the games that happened last weekend, only two of them were decided by seven points or less. One of those two games occurred in Cincinnati. The Raiders faced the Bengals. Cincinnati was able to hold on in the final moments of that game, 26-19. to 
to get the franchise's first playoff win since 1990. How about that? This is a fact. The other matchup on Saturday was an AFC East battle between the Bills and the Patriots, and the Bills rolled over the Patriots 47-17. They won by 30 points. Buffalo was leading at halftime by 24 points, which is the largest halftime deficit ever for the Patriots in a playoff game. Gash facts. And then on Sunday, the Eagles got their butts whooped in Tampa Bay 31-15, which should not have been a surprise because the Eagles went 0-6 against teams that made the playoffs this season. Yikes! Then came the matchup of the weekend because it was the 49ers and the Cowboys! San Francisco is leading 23-7 heading into the fourth quarter, but Dallas came back to within a score. Late in the game, they had the ball in the final moments, but they stayed in bounds. They didn't have any timeouts. They couldn't stop the clock, and they lost the game. And of course, they all blame the refs, even though it's all their fault. Maybe they shouldn't have been behind by 16 points in the fourth quarter. So San Francisco got the win 23-17, to and this is the 11th straight playoff appearance for Dallas where they have failed to make a conference championship. That is the longest streak by any team since the AFC and NFC were created when the AFL and the NFL merged back in 1970. You hate to see it. And then on Sunday night, the Chiefs had a field day at home against the Steelers. They got the 42-21 win in what is probably going to be Ben Roethlisberger's last game, even though he probably shouldn't be celebrated because he's a bad guy. Patrick Mahomes threw for over 400 passing yards and five touchdowns in this game. It was the fourth time in his career he has done that, which is the most ever by a quarterback. Wow! Finally, Monday night had an NFC West matchup between the Cardinals and the Rams. It was another uninteresting affair because the Rams rolled all over the Cardinals, winning 34-11. to And since the Cardinals were the last remaining undefeated team this season, the last team that was the last remaining undefeated team in a season to win the Super Bowl was the Colts back in 2006. Fact! So, those are the six games that happened last week. And... Last week, on my picks, I went 6-0. Six wins, zero losses. Get that dough! Xander's facts. I don't know why you doubted me. So now the yearly record is 176 wins, 104 losses, 63% winning percentage. So, that is last week. Now, let's go to the divisional round, which are this weekend's games in the NFL. There's four of them, beginning on Saturday at 4.30 on CBS and Paramount Plus with the Bengals heading to Tennessee to take on the Titans, who are the one seed in the AFC. The Bengals are one of the hottest teams right now, but they have to head down to Nashville. And for the Titans, we don't know if Derrick Henry, the Titans running back who hasn't played for a while, is going to be playing for Tennessee this week. But either way, I've still got the Bengals winning in an upset in Tennessee. And then Saturday night at 8.15 on Fox, it's the 49ers heading to Green Bay to take on the number one seed in the NFC, the Packers. The 49ers might be the hottest team in the NFC right now, but they have to go to Green Bay. And Green Bay in January is a whole different animal because Saturday's forecast shows snow showers, a high of 22 degrees, and a low of negative one degrees. Yum. So I'm going to take the Packers in that game. And then on Sunday, the Rams, who are the four seed, take on the Buccaneers, the two seed at three o'clock on NBC and Peacock. Both of these teams got big wins last week, but the edge may be with Tampa Bay because they're at home, but I'd rather not pick the Buccaneers to win. So instead, I'll choose the Rams to win in an upset. They will defeat the defending Super Bowl champions. Sanders Facts, and then Sunday, 6.30 on CBS and Paramount Plus, it is the Bills and the Chiefs 
the prime matchup of the weekend. Buffalo is heading down to Kansas City, while the Bills beat the Chiefs 38-20 back in October. The Chiefs are a much better team now than they were back at the beginning of the season, so I've got Kansas City winning that game close. Big game alert! And those are this weekend's four divisional round matchups with the winners of the AFC matchups meeting next week in the AFC Championship game and the winners of the NFC meeting in next week's NFC Championship game. So there you go. There's your football and there's your podcast for this week. Episode 50 of the podcast. We had a huge podcast this week. We talked redistricting. Then we talked Spider-Man for some reason. And then football picks 6-0 and undefeated last week. Xander's facts. Xander's facts. But that is all we've got on episode 50 of the podcast this week. Thank you all for listening. And remember, if you like the Xander's facts podcast, if you want to support the Xander's facts podcast, if you liked all the facts this week, Remember to click the follow button on this podcast, download this episode, episode 50, rate the podcast, review the podcast, and then go follow Xander's Facts on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Xander with a Z, and most importantly, tell all your friends, spread the facts, tell all your friends about the Xander's Facts podcast, because they're going to want to know where you got all those picks last weekend from, and you're going to have to say, Xander told me. So... There you go. And remember to check out the link tree, Xander's Facts link tree, which is linked in the episode description for more Xander's Facts. And go on TikTok. If you're on TikTok, go follow Xander's Facts, the new Xander's Facts account. So that is it. That is a wrap on episode 50 of the Xander's Facts podcast. Thank you all for listening. And we'll see y'all with episode 51 next week.